Welcome to Who's Bringing Wine. This is Megan. And this is Abigail. We are at episode 15. Thank you very much. Yes. Very excited. Very exciting. And we reached over 100 followers on Facebook this week, so we're really excited we about that. We are excited about that, but we want you all to start talking to us. Please talk to us and give us some more ideas for different things you want to uh, hear from us about. And today we're talking a little bit more serious of, you know, topic. Um, we have a guest with us today, uh, Katie White. She's a licensed professional counselor um, at a primary adolescent. Uh, she's a primary adolescent therapist at uh, the Center of Eating Disorders located here in Birmingham, Alabama. So we're going to be talking a little bit about eating disorders and how they affect families and things to look for. Um, so Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and that sort of thing. <laughs> So I work at a center that has day treatment programs. So they're there all day long or half day, and some just come in for outpatient. And I see people with eating disorders, primarily adolescents. So people that come across us are have anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and anywhere in between. So with, uh, with those, I mean, I think when Abigail and I were talking about doing this topic for the podcast she kind of admitted that there was a lot about it that she just didn't know yeah. so let's treat it as though everybody doesn't know so if you break down kind of the difference in anorexia bulimia and actually i'm curious because i always associated binge eating with bulimia but is that not necessarily the case I mean, I didn't realize it was its own thing like its own separate in your psychology classes, because we're getting older, you probably learned that, but binge eating disorder with lately is now its own separate eating disorder. There is binging with bulimia followed by purging. Right. So a binge eater isn't going to get rid of their food. And a purge can be anything from taking laxatives, diuretics, over-exercising, or actually throwing up your food. So a binge eater, are they kind of on the opposite end? They're not... Are they also, I know it's an eating disorder, but are they gaining weight, like since they're not purging it for binge eating, or is it just that they won't eat for weeks or something and then just binge and keep it? That's a really good question. Um, people with bulimia, people with anorexia, people with um, binge eating disorder can all be a normal weight. There's actually an atypical anorexia where they may be starving themselves and um, they're not able to lose the amount of weight someone with anorexia, you would you know, stereotypically think. Okay. So um, also with anorexia, there is what you see is a classic anorexic of just simply not eating or eating low calorie foods all day long. So that's a good point then that you can't necessarily just look at somebody and say, oh, they have an eating disorder. There's a lot of people that are out there that look completely normal and that are but they're suffering and, and dealing with this sort of thing correct and that's what's so dangerous about this because people are walking around normal weights well within their weight range and are actually very very sick because this takes a toll on all of your organs and is actually the most deadly of all the mental illnesses so tell us um some of the signs that somebody might uh see or or that they're struggling that somebody is struggling with this you're going to see a drastic change in their personality. A once extroverted person is going to isolate more and an introverted person is even going to isolate even more. They're not going to be going on social outings. They're not going to be at family events. You're going to find them in their room or in their home a lot. 
you're going to notice maybe that there's change in weight, also change in what they wear and their appearance. Uh, their skin may be dry, their hair may be brittle. Um, for someone that purges, you may see sores on their hands, especially around their knuckles, and you may also notice that their cheeks are a little swollen. Okay. Why is that? With the sores on the hands and stuff, if they're... Oh, well... Oh, oh from sticking their fingers down their throat. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would make sense. So, really, like, health things are things that would pop out yes. first. Like, their health starting yes. to decline. Correct. Mm -hmm. With children, you're going to go to your pediatrician, and you're going to notice that there is a change in their height and weight, eating disorders due to stunt growth. Um, a child or an adolescent is never supposed to lose weight. If there's a dip in their weight or if their height is plateaued, then that signifies a problem and that pediatrician should be looking at, you know, several different options, including eating disorders. And for you, if you've noticed that your child is not eating their favorite food anymore, their frequent trips to the bathroom, if they're, you think they might be exercising in secret, such as they're taking longer to get ready for bed, they're taking longer to get ready in the morning, they're spending more time at the gym, they're staying late at practice, then those are all some red flags that you might be dealing with an eating disorder. So let me ask you this, and I'm not sure how often this happens, but say there is an adolescent who maybe is a little bit on you know the heavier side to what you know, society would consider appropriate weight that wants to do it the right way. How do you how do you know if what they're doing? Because you, know, you said an adolescent or a child should never lose weight, but what if, if in growth? and just kind of naturally maybe baby fat's falling off and muscles building like is it still I, I guess that could be a whole different topic i guess with weight <laughs> loss with adolescents that maybe need to to get healthy and it's really about being healthy but how you regulate that to make sure that it is being done in a healthy way i don't know that might be entirely <laughs> different it's another topic but they have a weight range as you know that your child is in the 50th percentile or 75th percentile right. and they should always remain in that percentile okay. if they dip up and you're worried about them becoming overweight then it's really just about studying their weight gain until their height catches up also some children gain weight before they gain height right so there's so many different things that a child should never really be put on a diet unless there is a medical reason and that would be something like diabetes or celiac disease and by all means food should be eliminated mm -hmm. if you are really concerned about your child then you can go see a dietitian but be careful um that it's not weight loss right yeah focus but uh, an athletic child can actually be overweight and have a high bmi mm -hmm. and they're still health they're so healthy. Health comes okay. at all sizes. Okay. And so much goes into it. Okay. So what would you say that the, the age of onset that people should, you know, start to be aware of this kind of thing happening? I will say eating disorders usually begin in puberty, but we've done assessments as our center for as young as 10. And sitting in, you know, sessions with adults and children and adolescents, they can remember starting to hate their body and wanting to diet as young as six. Well, that's just shocking. Yeah. And like we were talking about, like before the podcast, yeah, I, I've even just heard words out of my, my children are seven and eight. And I've just, I've heard words out of their mouths, not stuff that their dad and I, you know, portray, but just society, you know, commercials and that things are put into their head that this is bad and this is good or this is healthy and this is not healthy. So it starts so young and they start to pick up on those mm -hmm. things um, in their daily lives and it, you know, can 
certain children it can trigger if they see themselves differently from other kids. Yeah, so. well, even my son, you know, he he's a fine weight and totally, oh, there's our, <laughs> there's our timer. Alexa, Alexa stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a pause real quick, actually. I'll come yeah. back. Alexa, stop. <laughs> she's not she she's, still hasn't she doesn't stopped. listen to Alexa stop alright we're going to pause real quick and we'll come back to that in just a minute yes okay we're back sorry about that I had to put Alexa in her place she never listens to me if anybody else has this problem but it's like every time she won't listen to me yeah she really didn't like no three times you had yeah to I know to this is stop. daily I, we're gonna have a talk later I don't know. This is... she's getting angry yeah she's getting angry. she has some anger problems yeah well I mean bitch listen anyway that aside I was saying mm-hmm. that even my son you know perfectly healthy weight or whatever but mm-hmm. he's kind of muscle obsessed mm-hmm. and spends a lot of time it's, it's dropped off here this winter and it might just be because it's cold and right. he doesn't want to walk around without a shirt on right but he we have a pull-up bar and I've gotten him exercise equipment not equipment but we have stuff in the house and I bought him jump ropes and different training things and the pull-up bar and hand weights and that kind of stuff right. but he's an athlete so yeah like right. you know if you want to throw faster mm-hmm. run faster and you gotta train you can't right. just go to practice twice a week and then expect to be the best mm-hmm. so but then he would go look in the mirror and be like look mom I got a six pack I'm like well you're 11 <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you have all those muscles yet to have so, a six pack so. actually it's kind of a good question I mean do I encourage that or do I not because he's not yeah because I've kind of done the... he's not I mean he he eats junk and he eats healthy and sometimes yeah. he makes healthy choices and sometimes he chooses the junk and I don't really have to regulate it because he's not underweight and he's not overweight yeah but how much of this body obsession and I know it's to do with athletics but See, is that's that the okay? same thing with me like I've kind of done the same thing with my daughter because she's doing gymnastics and really into it and really wanting to get better well in order to get better you got to get some muscle mass you got to get stronger you got to do some certain things so I've been doing some exercises with her or you know is that something that is okay to do with your with your children Yes, because uh-huh. that's no different than for gymnastics. That's no mm-hmm. different than throwing a softball with her. Right. That's really just the nature of the sport. But it's keeping an open conversation with them about your body isn't everything. There are other things about you that I like and that I hope you like. And you never want him to not show you his muscles. You don't want him to be embarrassed about his body. Right. right. And for, as far as food goes, I mean, we just call it food. Mm-hmm. And all foods are good foods. They all taste good. And you eat what tastes good to you in that moment. We call it intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a book called Intuitive Eating. This is clearly the night for interruptions. Yeah. Uh, we had we've never another... had this many interruptions No, we've <laughs> not. So you know what? It's fine. It's fine. We're just, Alexa was doing her thing. Then Jackson was banging on the front door to be let back in. So, anyway. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. (laughs) Katie, you were saying intuitive eating. Intuitive eating. There's a book called Intuitive Eating, and I would recommend just putting it on your Amazon list. It's definitely available there, and it explains a little bit about the topic. And the diet culture, exercise culture is kind of a topic for another time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would like to talk about that, though, because even just for my own information and planning meals for here and I don't know Mm -hmm. it's just helpful I mean none of us have an issue with weight but it's still I don't think I eat 
right, right all the time. I try to. A lot of the foods that we think are healthy as aren't possible. necessarily as healthy as we might think. Too. Right. But that's a whole other yes. subject and topic. Yeah. And this is also the night that Jackson's going to make every possible noise. I am. If if we can't hear the slopping of the water on this recording, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> anyway. So um, let's see. So. How do you help someone? Like, where should they, if they start to see these signs that you've talked about or, you know, something going on in, in their family, you know, how do they go about helping that person in their life? Okay. So let's break it down. If you notice, you know, a couple of years from now that one of your children's friends has a problem, mm-hmm. it's approaching the parent with what you've observed with a non judgmental attitude. And from compassion of, I'm really concerned. These are some things I've been observing when, you know, Sarah's over at our house playing. Right. And seeing if the parent will talk. That's about all you can do. Then it's up to the family. Mm -hmm. If it's a family member, then it's still approaching them in a non-judgmental way. I'm noticing that you're really struggling here. And I think we need to go and see if someone can help. And you can take them to a counselor. You can take them to their pediatrician or a doctor but it's just saying that you love them and also that you're there to help. Now, be mindful of the fact they're not going to be happy. Right. As I say, it almost seems like like an intervention like with drugs or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not that you're it doing is. like some kind of big intervention. You're going to put that person in a room and surround them. By, you know, probably not the approach. I don't know. Maybe it is. But you would, I would imagine the first gut instinct is anger and protective mm-hmm. and isolating themselves and... Mm-hmm denying everything Mm -hmm. and this is why if i told you to that right now in this moment you had to give up the one thing that made you feel safe the one thing that made you feel comfortable the one thing that you loved and you you had control over the control over yes it the one thing that was your best friend and i said tonight is the night you give it up and you can never have it again right i know like yes there's tears in both of your eyes and that's what it's like this is their security blanket Mm -hmm. this is what helps them cope with something else that's going on an eating disorder is really just a symptom for something else that's going on whether it's depression anxiety or a traumatic event kind of control over their life with a traumatic yes with a traumatic event and it's really getting to that root cause. Mm-hmm. For some children, it's been a learning disability that's gone, gone undiagnosed, and their eating disorders become the only thing that they believe that they're really good at. Uh. You may be good at that. You may be good at math, but I'm really good at losing weight. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at keeping this a secret, and it's shameful and it's embarrassing to the person. Nobody wants to say that they throw up their food. Nobody wants to say they eat thousands and thousands of calories within an hour. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to say that they're starving themselves to get to death. Mm-hmm. What, uh, let's see, we got some questions written down here, so we're trying to stay on topic. Let's see, uh, what is the impact of eating disorder on a person and in their family? Like when they do confront the person, they do talk to the person, what happens then? What is the long-term impact on that family that they have to go through? So the eating, I always tell families, especially if there's younger children in the families, this is what I say to explain it. I say, you know, everything was going along fine in your house and all of a sudden there was a drastic change. And I tell them, I said, it's like Voldemort came in and overtook your sister in the middle of the night. Right. 
and she was this completely different person. And that's what it is, is that people no longer recognize their child, their loved ones, because the eating disorder completely takes over and it really is like an alien has invaded them. So there's a lot of trust that has to be built back in the family. There's a lot of education that has to be built back in the family. A lot of support. Do you recommend, recommend like maybe younger siblings or older siblings, depending, just siblings and or the parents having separate counseling? I do. Just on I their own, like yes. not even associated with the eating disorder, but just their own doctor, their own or therapist. We can recommend it. We can't require it, mm -hmm. but it's definitely necessary. And you have to remember that your loved one or your child is doing this work mm -hmm. and they're doing the hardest work they'll ever do and they're changing themselves. And that's going to actually force your whole family system to change. Mm -hmm. And that's why everybody needs counseling. And I think like that could cause some internal issues just with the family structure. Well, I'm sure a lot of the parents start to, to blame themselves, like especially if it's been going on for a long period of time, it's like, well, how did I overlook this? Mm -hmm. Or did I say something or did I do something right. that triggered this? Every you know, so I'm sure, single decision you've ever made. Right. You're second guessing yourself. So of course there is a, a point that the parent or the family members mm -hmm. that are dealing with this person definitely need to, to seek help as well because they're probably going to be going right. through a lot of things. And family therapy is really rough and that's what we do because you, you're forced to recognize your role mm -hmm. in this and it's not completely the parent's fault. In fact, it's you know not the parent's fault really at all. Something has happened along the way and the child is really just the voice piece for mm -hmm. dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And if you can treat it in adolescence that it won't be a problem later on in life. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they're 100% treatable mm -hmm. and the earlier you intervene and the earlier you get the family on board then the less problems you'll have later that on. That was kind of my next question. Yeah. So it's not like an addiction problem where there, it's going to be Correct. a struggle for the rest of life. There is a way if you can get the proper treatment that it can be treated out of them. You know right. just chain they can actually reconfigure thoughts or things I get a hold of it mm -hmm. and have control over this yeah. I guess because you have to live with food you don't have to live with drugs or alcohol right mm -hmm. that makes sense so what are some of the most common eating disorders that you deal with on day-to-day -day basis with the adolescents I deal with a lot of anorexia. Okay. And is there one that's more than another or? Yes, there's one more than the other. And there's definitely, I think, that drive to lose weight at that age. Bulimia happens later on in adolescence. But with anorexia, there's a subtype of a binge purge. Mm -hmm. So they can starve. They can do, they could actually go on binges or they can actually purge their food mm -hmm. in some way or the other. And that's still considered like one section of anorexia. It's still considered anorexia, especially if they're at a low weight. Wow. I don't know. I have to just say there's certain special people, middle school teachers, coaches, you know, that can, it takes a special person to deal with adolescence. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And Thank you. just to have the patience with adolescence in general and just, and then taking on this really hard topic is daunting to me. Right, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, our adults are also behave a lot like adolescents because it develops in adolescence and they kind of get developmentally stuck in that stage mm -hmm. right. of adolescence. So I have you, heard that with other things. Like, yes. Well, that brings up a good point. Like, what if this does go on long term and undiagnosed, what, are, what is the damage that it can, can do to somebody? 
it can damage every single organ in your body. Mm. However, with proper nutrition, the majority of those are repairable. Mm. Okay. So osteoporosis, probably not. Um, some heart problems, probably not. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you can fully recover and your body can fully recover from this. There's new research out, especially with osteoporosis and osteopenia, on what can be done to a young adolescent girl so that she can regain some of that bone strength, especially since she's still growing. Because remember, she stunted her growth. So she may be 16, but she may, her body may look like a 12-year-old. So she still has to go through Does it affect rate. fertility? I mean, can that, yes. can that be can, fixed? Yes, and that can be fixed that too be with fixed proper too. nutrition. Okay. Um, you know, there are some unfortunate people that it, it doesn't fix and it does kill them. Mm -hmm. They could be fully recovered from their eating disorder and, you know, die of complications. Like Karen Carpenter was fully recovered right. and died from heart problems. Right. That There was a movie, I think you and I talked about it, that I'll never forget, like an after school special or something. I don't remember what channel it was on. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but it was about a, a teenage girl that was bulimic. And it was that, you know, right. early 90s, late 80s type of thing where we were all taught that a bulimic binged and purged and that, that was just what they did. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching it horrified because she was taking Tupperware containers and hiding them throughout her bedroom and they were all full of vomit and mm, yes. different things and it stuck in my brain. But then I wonder, like, is that a good show to, <laughs> to, to show your show teenager? You. Yeah. I was so traumatized by it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. I mean, it was you know, the story. I definitely got the message of don't do that, right. but it was also like, oh Very, gosh, yeah. gee, it was really in your face. Yeah. You were traumatized, but there was a girl that was sitting, I think it was in health class. There were probably girls that were sitting in those health classes saying, that's a good idea. Because she was already in the mindset of, mm -hmm. I'm going to get rid of my Oh, food. that goes into kind of what you're talking about. Like, you you have to be real careful what you talk mm -hmm. about because you don't want to give them tips right. on, how to, on how to do it. Because And it's a very competitive disease. They want to be the sickest person. So there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of young adult literature out there. There are... There was a specific book, I think, that you put on Facebook yes, that, that you were, you were really about. unhappy yeah. about. Right. And it was for that reason. And it's fine. They will watch it, especially if you tell them no. But it's watching it with them and it's talking to them and educating them about what the dangers are. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if go ahead and ask if they're curious about it. Have you ever thought about doing this? You would ask them if they came home drunk. Yeah. You would ask them if their friends are drinking yet, if they're doing drugs. It's the exact same thing. You treat it the same way. Mm -hmm. It's all of a sudden like it's like food it's taboo we can't talk about it or oh it's fine she's healthy she's just losing a little weight or exercising mm -hmm. it le it's a really slippery slope and that's really one of the things that leads to it there's you know, environmental factors there's also a genetic link with this okay well what are, what are the environmental factors just the the exactly. diet culture the diet culture okay. mm -hmm. um pressures in school mm-hmm Bullying. Yeah. Bullying is huge right now. Mm -hmm. A traumatic event. And a traumatic event, I think we just think it's, you know, abuse, some type mm -hmm. of abuse. But it's also a friend moving away. It's a family moving away. All of this stuff can trigger stress, anxiety. And the way the eating disorder works in the brain and the body, it actually does relieve anxiety until it doesn't. And it starts mm -hmm. causing more anxiety and it stops working for them. Just the same as you said, drugs and alcohol. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Was there anything else you would like to add or any way that, uh, tell people how they can reach out to get help or, or talk to somebody if they uh, do see or feel like a family member is in trouble? Or just have more questions. In that or too. have more questions about, about the subject. If they're suspicious that they might know somebody or, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Your Dieting Daughter by Carolyn Costin, also available on Amazon, that really dives into the brain of someone with an eating disorder as well as talks to parents about it. And she has her own treatment center. She's pretty well known, has been doing this for a very long time and has talked to a lot of families and a lot of women with eating disorders. I would recommend that. Um, You found the National Eating Disorder Mm -hmm. Association. It's called NIDA. Mm -hmm. Their website has a lot of information, a lot of checklists, a lot of symptoms talking to your pediatrician about it. Most places in your area, if you look at eating disorder treatment centers, will give a free assessment and decide what level of care is needed or also, you know, what kind of eating disorder it is. Okay. Um, we'll put all of this information on Facebook. On Facebook for anybody yeah. to, to find or reach out or, you know, if, if you'd like uh, even more detailed information, if you live here in Birmingham and would like to reach out to Katie, um, then you know, contact us through private message on Facebook, and or we'll be happy to, to get you in touch mm-hmm. with her. Or yeah, email us at who's bringing wine at gmail and we can definitely get you in touch with her um, to get more information if you yeah. need it. Yes, Katie, thank you so much yeah, for coming and, and doing this, and I'm excited about the next one about the kind of healthy eating and diet yes. culture and mm-hmm. getting more into that one. Might do it. In a couple weeks time or yeah. so but um thank you you're welcome thank sorry you. for thank all the interruptions this. and it's usually fine. it's a little smoother i mean there's always something and there's always jackson clicking and there's yeah but he was really the nature of our podcast yeah in my <laughs> really kitchen excited tonight yeah. Yeah. yeah well you're here so anyway all right well thanks guys and don't forget to rate us and give us a review on itunes or google play wherever you listen yeah. and like us on facebook if you haven't already and we will talk to you next time. Yeah, talk to you next time. All right, bye. bye.